This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let's learn from Jesus what that evidence looks like and how we can live our lives in this way. Our message today, The Mark of Authenticity. What is the most important mark of an authentic Christian disciple? Well, the risen Jesus has the answer to that question in today's passage, so I'm hoping you'll stay with us and find out what he has to say. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Almighty, all-powerful, all-loving God and Father, thank you for loving us before we even loved you. Thank you for the promises that are ours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Our reading for the day is taken from John, chapter 13, beginning at verse 31. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jewish leaders, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Friends, recently I attended an event held by the local historical society where I live. I don't typically go to those kinds of things, but I was invited by someone, a friend, who knew that I would find it interesting. The speaker that night was the curator for the Minnesota Twins baseball team, and I am a huge Twins fan. This man named Clyde had some fascinating stories to tell about uh, getting to know the players and the owners and the managers along the way. He'd been with them a long time. One thing that he taught us as baseball fans uh, was how to tell whether a signed baseball or a jersey was authentic. He explained that it had certain marks that would tell the truth. Hologram tags he talked about and other things to look for, signs. It's fascinating got me thinking, what would you say are the identifying marks, the hologram tags of a, an authentic Christian? In today's passage, Jesus tells us the answer to that question. He's in the upper room with his disciples. There's only the 11 now. Judas has gone off to betray him. And Jesus tells his disciples he's being glorified, that with Judas's departure, it's the kickoff. Now I'm about to be glorified. He saw the cross and the resurrection as his glorification and the glorifying of God the Father. 
His perfect obedience, his carrying out the plan of salvation was his glorifying. At the resurrection, he was glorified. He was exalted by his Father, held up for all to believe and worshiped. This glorified Jesus, later on, after his resurrection, told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go make disciples. So Jesus here is identifying himself as the glorified one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one with authority. And we know from the resurrection at Easter that he truly is. Well, if Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that means, my dear friend, he deserves my trust and my obedience. Listen to what this glorified one wants you and me as followers to carry out and obey. He talks to us about a new commandment, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. This word new means literally fresh. It's not that it's a absolutely new in time, but it's fresh. What makes it fresh? Well, we've been taught about loving God above all things, heart, soul, strength, the mind, loving neighbor, even loving enemies by the Lord Jesus. Now we see him talking about loving one another. He's talking about the Christian community. He's talking to his disciples, the future church. He knew. He knew the disciples very well of their selfish motivations and their wanting personal status and greatness, their tendencies to live for themselves. And the only way to keep them together to carry out the Great Commission would be that they truly work at loving one another first. The word for love that he uses in this commandment is agape. There's three other kinds of words the Greeks use to talk about love. Agape is not about emotions or affections. It actually is involves an act of the mind first. It involves a commitment. It's a decision. And it is a verb to love. It's to give yourself sacrificially away for the sake of someone else. On close examination, you will find all kinds of one another's, encourage one another, teach one another, all kinds of those in the New Testament. But they all stem from this new commandment, love one another. But he takes a little further, and this is what really makes it new. Love one another as I have loved you. There's a pattern for us here. And that pattern is found in looking at Jesus as Jesus has loved us, love one another. Remember, Jesus had just washed their feet. It was the act of a servant in those days. It was a menial task, a lowly job that servants did. And yet Jesus washed the feet of his disciples in the upper room prior to saying this statement. He loved them also in the everyday routine of life with his patience and his kindness and sharing all that he had heard from his Father with them showing them the Father's love. And of course, this love involved the heroic as well, as he lays down his life for them. In chapter 15, he'll say, Greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
I call you my friends. He lays down his life for us. So the love Jesus is commanding here encompasses the lowly and the routine, all the way to the heroic and every self-giving act in between. And by the way, this love is not given on the basis of merit. Notice, Jesus washes the feet of those who will fail him miserably. There's Judas who will betray him. Just knowing that, he washed Judas's feet. If you believe yourself to have a valid excuse not to love a particular person in your church, just consider the context in which Jesus has spoken this commandment. He washed the feet of Judas. And there's Peter who denies him three times and the others who fail to stand by him in his hour of greatest distress. And yet Jesus washed their feet and laid down his life for them to pay for their sinfulness and everyone else's, for that matter, at the cross. This is an amazing, gracious love. Love one another as I have loved you. That's his orders to those of us who call ourselves followers. This commandment is so simple to remember. Not always so easy to obey when you think about it. Oh, I know. We say, yeah, I can love. I can love. Well, it's easy to love people we agree with or are partial to. But what about the rest of the folks we come into contact with? That's a much harder proposition. The unlovable types, the odd ones, the ones with the quirks, the ones who are irritating, the ones who cause trouble. It's easier to love those who are more loving, lovable, but we're so often drawn to make boundaries as to who we will love. And that's why within the church we see personal attacks and criticisms and name-calling as our own personal selfish interests trump the common good of the Christian community, ruining the health of the church. That's why uh, we find uh, people needing compassion find judgment instead. Or those in need of help find apathy or disregard as we reason, well, let somebody else take care of them and get involved. And, you know, I have such pride and ego, I would imagine you do too, that can get me so easily involved with some very destructive one-anothers in the community that must break the heart of Jesus. In an article I read, Pastor Ray Ortland identify some of the one another's that you don't find in the New Testament, but you can find in the church today. Scrutinize one another, pressure one another, embarrass one another, corner one another, interrupt one another, sacrifice one another, defeat one another, shame one another, judge one another, run one another's lives, confess one another's sins, intensify one another's sufferings, point out one another's failings. You won't find that in Scripture. Unfortunately, we find it in the church. Because it's hard, this commandment to love. But though it's hard, it's doable. That's the good news. 
Not perfectly, mind you, because we're saints and sinners. First of all, remember, this concept of love makes it possible to obey because while it might be impossible to feel a certain affection for some people, it's not impossible to step up and help them out of obedience to Christ. Whether you feel like it or not. The emphasis in not feeling an emotion of love, but acting on love, is what Jesus is talking about. And we can truly obey this commandment when Christ enters into our lives, when it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, as the Apostle Paul says. I'm powered. And remember that Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit of God, is just around the corner in this narrative. Jesus says he'll work on us and produce in us what is called the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, generosity. As with all the commandments, folks, this one ultimately requires us to rely on God's grace. We cannot do it by our own self-abilities and will. We pray for grace to keep it and for grace when we sometimes fail at it. But still, we work to carry it out for our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, who's done so much for us. Now, why is this commandment to love one another as he's loved us so important for us to keep? Jesus explains, by this all people will know that you're my disciples. In other words, Love is the mark, the badge, the hologram tag, the defining characteristic of an authentic believer in Christ. John Piper has written, If you declare openly that you are Christ's disciple, your love for others will be decisive in showing that you are real. Love confirms that your profession of faith in Jesus is real. Jesus is quite clear on this. It's not our theological correctness. It's not by our moral purity, not by our impressive knowledge that everyone will know that we are his disciples. It is quite simply by our acts of love, service, sacrifice that point others to the love of God for the world made known to us in Jesus. Maybe you've heard the old saying, of the unbeliever who says, Who you are, speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you're saying. How true it is. Following this commandment to love one another also serves as an attraction, a light to those around us. We live in a polarized, individualized, broken, hurting, lonely world. Our loving one another is an opportunity to shine for Christ, attract others to him. Oh, church family, let us not contribute to the polarization in this world, but be a light and a refuge in the name of Jesus Christ as we love one another. That's what Jesus had in mind for his church. A great theologian once said, the church exists to be a provisional display of God's original intentions for his world. Loving God, loving one another, that's the original intention.
There are people in this world around us who may never open or ever read the Bible, but they are reading us. And we need to ask once in a while of ourselves, are they able to see the love of Christ in our lives? Do we let our light so shine that people see Jesus and give glory to the Father in heaven? That's the real test, the litmus test, loving one another as Christ has loved us. Finally, it's important that we love one another as Christ has loved us because together we stand strong as the church of Jesus Christ. We need each other in order to grow and to thrive in our relationship with Jesus and in our serving Jesus in the world. In her book, Grapes of Wrath or Grace, Barbara Brokoff tells the story of a group of American tourists who were taking a bus tour in Rome, and it was led by an English-speaking guide. Their first stop was a basilica in a piazza, which was surrounded by several lanes of relentless Roman traffic. You've probably seen it. It's just crazy. After they were all safely dropped off, the group climbed the steps and took a tour of the church. Then they spread out to board the bus, which was now parked across the street from the church. The frantic guide shouted for the group, Stay together! He hollered out to them, You cross one by one, they hit you one by one, but if you cross together, they think you'll hurt their car, and they won't hit you. There is always much to be said for the strength of unity, and especially unity in Jesus Christ, friends. Some people ask, did those disciples really follow through and obey the commandment that Jesus gave them? Well, my answer to that is read the first few chapters of the book of Acts. And when you're done with that, read the letters of Peter and John, the disciples, and you'll find that there is an emphasis on taking care of one another and loving one another. That's what they strove to do. That's what they held up as a value and taught others to do. Even after the time of the first disciples, later on, Tertullian, a Christian leader, wrote, It is our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness, that brands us in the eyes of our opponents. Look, they say, how they love one another. Look at how they're prepared to even die for one another. More importantly, than those disciples in the early church is the question for you and me. We know that they obeyed, that they worked at loving one another as Christ loved them. Having studied these words of Jesus today, what about you? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? What does that kind of love look like well, Sunday morning worship, for instance. Julie and I are visiting churches now. I'm retired, and we went to one where we experienced, from the moment we got into the door until we left for, to go back to our car, people embracing and handshakes and welcomes and smiles and people praying for one another and offering to pray for us. It was heavenly. It was love, as Christ describes it. 
And there's in the day-to-day, as we take care of one another, right? A wife and a mother die, leaving behind two boys and a grieving husband. And, and the congregation showed up for them, delivering and prepare, uh, prepared food every day for many, many, many weeks. Or there's the, the card, the phone call that says, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Know that you're loved. I think of a family in our church who had their house burned down. and A, a couple in our congregation who had a large house went to them and said, move in with us until you're back up on your feet again. Consider our home yours. That's what Jesus had in mind when he talks about loving one another as he's loved us. My dear friends in Christ, it's just as the old song says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Love one another as Christ has loved us. Amen. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. May the words of that song be your prayer this week. Lord, I want to be more loving in my heart. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has helped you to work at loving one another as Christ loved you. If you enjoyed today's message and have the means to do so, we invite you to prayerfully and financially share in Christian Crusaders' mission, which is to provide a weekly worship service proclaiming Jesus Christ as Redeemer of the world and personal Savior to all who receive him. We are a nonprofit, 501-3C listener-supported ministry. All contributions to this ministry are considered tax-deductible. Please send your donation to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. 
We deeply appreciate your prayerful and financial gifts. You can also call us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. Today's message is available to be read or heard on our website. Visit us online anytime at christiancrusaders.org. And in order to stay up to date with happenings in the ministry, be sure to check out our Facebook page. Look us up at facebook.com forward slash Christian Crusaders. We are happy you were able to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us next week at this location. Conducting the service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936. And from all of us at Christian Crusaders, may your coming week be filled with the peace and joy of our Lord Jesus Christ.